Well, good morning, all seasons. <clears throat> Want to jump right in? Uh, I was thinking on a more of a, maybe of a humorous note. You know, I remember years ago when I was preaching at a church that was a culturally just a little different than ours is. Uh, back in the day, it was something about the pulpit. It was big wooden pulpits anyway. And I'm sure some of you guys may remember that. And they had like water for the preachers was always on the pulpit. So in case the preacher got thirsty, you know, so he'd just reach and get it. And then, you know, I guess long before COVID hit, we decided we didn't want to be drinking out of the same thing everybody else was drinking out of. So we went to bottled water. And so times people come and have their water and they want to be cool and everything, you know. You, so you got your water and you got your notes and you got everything. And hopefully you got the Lord with you if you got all of that. And there's something a little new that I have today. And uh, that's okay. You don't, we need you to pray, not to laugh. Okay? Be sensitive to the Spirit and to people's needs. I mean, I know you may be praying for healing. I don't know. But I have just been in denial for about two years. And I know everybody thinks, like, what is he doing? He's like, whoop, whoop. So I'm not telling you that I'm going to put them on. As a matter of fact, Mark, what I did, I just, I just got on that computer like we can do, and I just blow my notes up real big to my print. It looks like I have a lot of notes, but I really don't. I probably could have all of it on one page if it was normal. But I, needed to, I need to see what I'm about to look at. And I'm also somebody that tries to stay on point if we can, and I'm, I'm bad about not staying on point. But seeing that water reminds me, uh, like I said, earlier years ago, I was at a certain church. This probably been 15, 16, 17 years ago, and I was getting ready to preach, and they came up to me, and they handed me this, I promise you, this is a true story, y'all, like a goblet, and it had like aluminum foil over it. And I'm just looking at that like, I'm not, I'm not used to this now. Well, in my, I've always drank water. So you can imagine the shock when I took that aluminum foil that was over the top of that off. And I just, you know, I wanted to be very preacher-like. And I didn't want to, like, just guzzle it down or nothing. And I wanted to, you know, just kind of sip on it a little bit. And I just kind of turned it up. And, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I felt like I preached really good that day. And I think it may have been a daiquiri. I'm really not sure. I just know it was a fruity, icy drink. And it shocked me. It didn't just shock my system. It shocked my mind. I'm like, whoa, we're, we're, I got to get back to where I'm at. These folks, that gotta, the pastor council got to step it up a little bit and get me some ice up here, not just some old cold water. But it don't matter what you bring to the table, no matter what you've brought today to this house. We have seen about it. We have seen about it. I've got saved. And I hope that everybody here is saved. If you're not saved, before you leave today. Now, the world has, and even the church has complicated salvation. We have just made it into something that's really not, but it's really simple. If you need Christ in your life today, look, if you need a loaf of bread, what do you do? You go to the grocery store and you get a loaf of bread. You try to. Now, they may be out or may not have the certain kind you like, and you may have to go somewhere else. But most of the time, we get what we need. Look at somebody and just tell them this, not my kingdom. Tell them, not mine, not mine. We live in a world today where everything really is at some point about us. And preaching the word of God is nothing new. There's, you can study and you can try to find all these new thoughts, but at the end of the day, the basics is we're still trying to grow the kingdom and it's not my kingdom.
Her Majesty the Queen Elizabeth II had ruled the United Kingdom for nearly 70 years. She was by far the longest reigning British monarch. Each year on Christmas Day, the king, the queen would give a message to the nation. On the 25th of December 2021, she said, the birth of Jesus marked a new dawn with endless potential. His teachings have been handed down from generation to generation and have been the bedrock of my faith. In another recent message, she said, only a few acknowledged Christ when he was born, but now millions are following him. The message of Christ is never out of date and is needed as much as ever. In a previous year, she said this, now that millions do follow him and they try to find his teaching to be their guiding light, she said, I am one of them. The queen of the United Kingdom was pointing to another kingdom. Now, there's probably some of us here, we would like to be president. We would like to be the boss of our job. We would like to be in authority. We would like to be the one that says, you do this, and there lies your problem. Not saying let's dumb it down, not saying that we have to just baby our employees, but at some point, you have to. there's a certain way you have to speak this. And I'm not talking about this whole being offended. I'm talking about from day one. There's a certain way you can talk to people. There's a certain way you can talk to Christ. There's a certain way that you approach him. You go to any kingdom. If you was to show up in the United Kingdom, you just don't just run up and knock on the door of the castle and say, hey, let me in. First of all, you're going to have a gift in your hand. You're going to be well prepared to meet who you're about to meet. But that was her kingdom. But she was pointing to a kingdom that Jesus told us about in Matthew 6 and 10. And we could all quote this prayer, which was none other than the Lord's prayer. Matthew 6 and 10, it said, may your kingdom come soon. Sometimes you want to say, hurry up. Please, these folks down here, these humans, they're driving me nuts. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, the kingdom of God is the rule and the reign of God. We get a little bit of it every once in a while. But a lot of times, the reason you don't get and that I don't get is because we don't ask. We don't pray enough for it. Now, I'm going to tell you, this sermon is way to me probably more than it is to you. Because I know that I didn't, and this is not about one of those 2023 sermons, but I know that I did not pray near enough in previous years or especially last year. And the Lord has hammered on me in the last three or four months about my faith and about you've got to have relationship and the only way you're going to have relationship is that you're going to have to talk with him every day. Well, I just don't have time. Yes, you have plenty. That's really all you got. And you don't have much of that left. You can look at your neighbor and say, you know, you're dying. I mean, you really are. And you don't know when that end may be. But I know that the only, you can come up with every concept. We can come up with every flagship, whatever you want to call it. We can do all the things to promote our church. But at the end of the day, it's still going to be about a relationship with him and seeking his kingdom and not my kingdom. Never about me. He said, our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Not one time, but it said, but see, here's what we want, though. Let me tell you something. He will let you rule your kingdom. 
He'll let you. It don't matter. You're like, you know what? This is my stuff. This is my house. This is my family. This is my car. Okay. Oh, you take care of it then. And then, if you, then you let me know how that works out for you. Because eventually you're like, oh, pastor, oh, so-and-so, I need some prayer. No, you need some common sense. You just need to let him be in your life the way he, look, he plainly laid the roadmap out before us and told us it's not about you. And I know the world we live, it's about us. We get up, hey, I did this, I did that. I went over there, I built this, I called so-and-so. I might be here, I might not. No, it's about seeking his kingdom. Psalms 10 and 12, I wanna walk through this, and I wanna walk through as quick as I can. If I don't get through, I just don't get through. But Psalms 10 and 12, and I'm gonna read this, then I wanna back up to verse one. He said, all right, and this is the psalmist is telling the Lord, get up now. I don't mean tomorrow because this is a cry out for our transformation of our society. Now, do, what do y'all feel about the society today? Is it good? Perfect, ain't it? Just, I mean, we live in a, there's no violence. There's no, no hatred. There's no jealousy. There's no any of that. It's perfect, right? Marriages are perfect. Everything's good. The devil done went home. He ain't bothered nobody today. No, there was some of y'all that fought all the way to the church house doors. And I mean, you were pointing fingers, you were screaming, you were telling your kid to shut up, wish I had never had, you never had been born, hush. But when you step in the parking lot and I meet you at the door, how's it going? Oh, hallelujah. Woo, the Lord is so good today. Give us so many blessings. Brother Joel, have you been blessed? Oh, I've, I've been blessed, but I, you know, I'm just, just looking at that, look in your eyes right now and your wife come, come behind you like this. Something is not, something is not exactly the way you thought that you wanted me to perceive that it was. Look, I don't care what you do. It's not about me. I want to see you grow in the kingdom. But this is a time when the psalmist David, he was pretty irritated. He said, arise, O Lord. Punish the wicked, O God. Do not ignore the helpless. See, the Lord is king forever and ever. God is in ultimate control of this universe. It's not your, I know, I, I get it. There's people that thinks when they get up that the world, when they look at certain direction, the world just stops spinning just for you. And it evolves and it goes round and round. And gravity's all about you and you just walk around. No, it's not. I don't mean to hurt your feeling, but it's not about you. It's never going to be, a, it's always going to be, what can I do to help somebody that is helpless? He said, why do the wicked get away with despising God? They think God will never call us into account. Now, this is David saying, God, you got you to tighten up. I'm tired. Look, all the things that's going on, time to get up. He prays, in effect, that God's kingdom will come to earth. That's what he's praying. We, look, we, we pray, now, now, and before the Lord's prayer, that's where Christ was teaching his followers how to pray. I'm going to give you a prayer, and this is how I want you to pray. Now, you can go back and read several scriptures up before that where it talks about how not to pray. Like, don't just use in words of repetition. and all. You can go back and read that. He even said one time, go to your closet and go in there in secret. You know, we always have those ones. 
that's never prayed in their life, but they want to pray at lunch so everybody across the aisle can hear them. I don't really need you praying for me. Oh, but at least they pray. No, 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 no. No, that's okay. No. If that's the only time you pray is over food, there's a problem anyway. Never, I, I had, I've got good friends of mine that, and I hope that they all get saved one day, but they don't have a relationship with the Lord. But guess what? We'll go eat. They all praying about eight tequilas later. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I guess at least they're praying, but they feel like it's a necessity. But the necessity is when I wake up and my feet hit the floor this morning and tomorrow morning is that I want to arise and say, God, I give you all the praise. I give you all the glory because you're the one that saved me. You're the one that captured my heart. But he was saying, when God gets moving, the reign of terror is over. The rule of the gang lords has ended. He prays in particular, like I said, for social justice. Here's what we do. Now, you can sit there if you want to, but I'm telling you, there are some of us, you want to take matters into your what? Yeah, you do. you human, right? I tell you what, let them cut me off one more time. Look, I drive a $500 Chevette. I'll kill all of us. You running up through here acting crazy. No, we don't have time for all of that. We want to take it into our own hands. When something's not right, we take a platform of Facebook, we get on there and we just talk about, I'll tell you what I do. Here's what we should do. And no, that's not. That's not. He's telling you right here, go to God and say, God, bring a little bit of your kingdom down to here. Because you're getting a little of it now, but you don't have it. Now, one day when he does come and he sets up his kingdom and he com has complete rule over it, that's going to be a day. But in the meantime, he said, here's the ones that, that the psalmist David is irritated about. He said, it's for the helpless. It's for the troubled. It's for the grieving. It's for the victims. It's for the fatherless. It's for the homeless and for the oppressed. If you want to see God come and society transformed, then these are the people that you got to pray for. It can't always be, Lord, I want you just to please move on the lawyers and the doctors. We need them in the church. No, no. This is who we need, and this is who you need to pray for. David knew what was up. I've got to pray for everybody that is struggling. Lord, he said, Lord, I thank you that you're my king. I want to lift up those who are in need. We pass people every day that are in need. And let me tell you something. Just because we just throw whatever in the offering plate, we hope it and we pray, and that blesses somebody, that touches somebody, that moves in somebody's life, and it redirects somebody's spirit. But at the same time, that's not even what God wants. What God wants is for you to have a completely sold-out mind, soul, and spirit to him. That that's what you get. May your kingdom come. Look, we pray it all the time. Lord, I want you to move in my life. And when he starts moving in your life, you're like, oh, I didn't know that's how you was going to move. I, I'm not really feeling. Because here's what we do. We pray and we tell God how we want him to answer our prayers. Mm. Now, Lord, you know what I need. And he's like, yep, you're right. I'm God. I got it. I got what you need. But this is the order I want it in. And that's not how it works. It don't work like that. See, now, now it's about your kingdom. 
Now you telling God, now I understand we can go to the word and we can, we can study for three hours and I can, I can prove to you that you can change God's mind. I understand all of that. But here's the, the whole concept is, is that when I say, God, touch my life, he may touch it. It ain't going to always be. You know what? Here's a brand new this. Here's a brand new that. I tell you what it may be. It may be one of his angels just stepping out beside your car a few nights ago and saying, let me protect you. Let me take care of that person and everybody around. It's not always about blessings that you think. To be able to get up today and to walk into this place and and to lift your hands and say, I got saved. I don't know about you, but I got saved. And I want to do everything that I can do. That's where we have to get. Matthew 13, verse number 18. Look, I, I, want, I want some way, somehow, that, that I, I understand there's no way. Look, we, we got to get past. Look, I love David and Goliath. I love Jonah and the whale. But if we don't get past Bible stories for a little while and dig a little bit deeper, that's when God's going to change our lives. When we realize that we have got, God, you've got to do something. And when you pray, you move heaven. The Bible says that when you sincerely pray, you move heaven. Look, I know it's been talked about. It's been preached about for the last couple of, two or three weeks. There's probably been memes made about it. There's been sermons. I've heard pastor, he related to it. But on Monday night, the second day of January of 2023, around 8.15, 8.30, I believe it was, on that night, when that young man got hit a certain way on the football field, do you realize there was, a, there was thousands of people? I think Jim said, somebody said it earlier. There's, there's people that one day, no matter what you think, the Bible says that every tongue is going to confess. And I believe if you're here today under the sound of my voice, you believe this book, right? And the book said that every tongue is going to confess and every knee is going to bow. Do you think that everybody that walked into that house, that into that, into that, that it's their house. That's, that's exactly what it is. But on that football stage, that everybody that sat in those stands, do you think they were all saved? No. Do you think they all walked in and the first thing were like, Lord, I just pray you keep your hands on all these fine young men out here today? No. There was probably somebody that said, you know what? I ain't never going to bow. I'm never going to. I'm not worried about salvation. I'm not worried about doing what's right. I'm going to continue to cheat on my taxes. I'm going to continue to just cheat everybody else. I'm going to continue to lie and steal and do whatever else I do. But they had no idea that they had come to an unplanned prayer meeting. But guess what? That moment has already got by some of us. We don't even understand and realize till right now exactly what Christ did in that moment and is still doing. Because there was people that never prayed, that didn't know how to pray. You ever be, have you ever been around somebody that is like nervous about praying or they don't want to pray out loud? I mean, if you want to really get somebody, we was picking earlier about, about the whole praying over lunch. If you get somebody, just out of the blues, hey, you, you, right here, right here, hey, pray over this meal. There was no doubt there was somebody, there's a lot of people there that had never prayed, never lifted up the name of the Lord. But I, 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 we were actually coming back from Mexico the night it happened, and uh, I was in a buddy of mine's truck, and his wife had called him, and she was watching it, 
and was telling us about it. And uh, I, had, it, I had recorded it on my DVR at home. So I went back later and I watched it. Not the moment, but I watched everybody else. Now, I wish there was a way they would have recorded everything. I'm not talking about the, the, the sickness or the illness, but I mean, the countenance on people in the, in the, in, in, at ESPN, all, they had no idea what to say. They kept going back to the studio and they were like, oh, you don't know what to say because you're in a different place now. You're like, do I pray? Do I not pray? Do I lift my hands? Do I, do I just keep on talking about how good football is and let's move on? But the part that really got me, I knew that God was still in control, was when I watched those two head coaches go back and forth. And the commentator kept saying that the NFL said we're going to give you all five. Who was watching that game? Anybody here? A few people. He said, we're going to give you five more minutes to get your team ready. And I'm glad that somebody realized that no matter how much money you got, that's not what brings people back to life. That's not what puts a marriage back together. That's not what saves your children. It don't matter how much money you give. It don't matter how much you put in the bank. All of that was set aside. There was grown men who was weeping and who was crying and was saying, you know what? We got to do something different. I, I saw when they come together and they shook hands and said, we not playing. How could you play when that just happened? Because the game doesn't always carry on. Now, this game of life, it's going to carry on. There's no doubt. But we got to find to stop for a moment. We can't wait till we get the church to pray. We can't wait till we're sick to pray. We got to pray every day. Every, I don't, it don't matter what you feel like if you will stop complaining about how that God is not touching your life if you're not putting some, forth some effort and you're not praying like you need to pray. Matthew 13, let me, let me jump into this. He said, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer who was planting seeds. And I know there's, some, there's, a, there's a few in here that, I mean, I guess you still call farmers. I don't know. But I know several people here that still plant. I know Jim does some stuff, and, and we, you know, we may do some ryegrass or whatever, you know, for deer camps. But the way you plant that seed, and I don't even, I don't have time today to go through all of this. I'm going to just kind of hit the high spots, but... The way we do things and the way we prepare things, it's important. We know that. We understand that it's got to be the right atmosphere. It's got to be the right situation. Now, sometimes I believe you can just throw ryegrass on top of concrete and it'll just grow. It just, it, I've had it growing in the back of my truck before. But my thing is, is that when you're going to plant something correctly, you got to have everything you need. Every time that you told somebody about Jesus and the gospel, you planted that seed. Yeah, but they didn't want to hear it. Well, that's okay. Don't beat them up about it. Every time you get a chance, just put a little bit. Just throw a little bit. Don't put the whole spreader on them and just sling it down. I mean, just, just hold up. Just, just give them a little bit. You don't have to just, I tell you what, bless God, you're going to get saved today. No, let's hold on. God does the saving anyway. You don't do the saving. You may, you may feel like you're helping, but we see this parable where some seed never takes root. It says, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. How many of us sometimes, even, even right now, sure, you hear a message, you hear the scripture, but you really don't understand it, so you're like, you know what, I'm not worried about it. 
I'll figure it out. We'll let somebody else figure it out. Maybe pastor, the Lord will move on him, and he can come back Sunday and preach a 10-week sermon or series, and then maybe I'll be saying, that's not what he's saying. You, the Bible says to study, to show thyself approved, study to show thyself, not study so you can prove to somebody else, a workman unto God, and you have to rightly divide the truth. That's what he said. You have to study it, but check out what it said, but they don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. You ever invited somebody to church? You've been, you've been after them for months, and they show up, and there's something that's planted. But then we don't do what we need to do. We don't disciple the way we need to. We didn't get back with them the way. You, I know you can't make them live for the Lord, but at some point, we got to encourage them. Say, hey, look, what you just heard, you may not understand it, but let me help you understand it. Let me be the one to take on a little bit of that load for us, that I can do it. But we can, it says other seed produces only temporary results. We can be drawn away from God. But this, this one has always, has forever just got in my spirit, and it, it just, it hurts my soul. It's how that, People can be drawn away by trouble or the worries of this life or even the deceitfulness of wealth. Right there, that close to God, that close to bringing the kingdom a little bit closer to earth. But let, because the way it was, the heart wasn't right. The spirit wasn't right. The prayer life wasn't right. Tell me something, and, and, I, and I've told this before. I had somebody here, well, all the time, somebody, they know how much I love music, and they say, uh, say, Brother Joel, you, uh, you like, like uh, secular rock music? And I said, well, okay, Lord, I'm trying to be spiritual. I said, yeah. Well, do you listen to it? And I said, well, I have. And I said, I've tried to live for the Lord. While I'm listening to it, I like the rhythm, I like the beat, I like the groove, I like the way it makes you feel. And then I said, but let me ask, but let me tell you something. If I'm listening to that for a solid, it don't, it don't even take a week. If I listen to that two or three days and you call me and you say, hey, Brother Joel, look, I've been going through this. I've been struggling. I need, don't ask me to pray because I'm a rebel now. My mind is nowhere near, and you may think you can do what you want to do and listen, and listen to what you want to listen to, and all of a sudden you're still spiritual. I don't think so because there's no way. I know I can't. I'm not going to say what you can and can't do, but I'm telling you, my mind is not on the fruits of the Spirit. If I just got through listening, here I go again on my own. Now, y'all don't know nothing about that. I know. I got it. Y'all looking at me all crazy like, what? Y'all don't even know about the 90s music. <laughs> but anyway, and by the way, the 80s music was the best music. You know, I know that some of y'all that may be, at, you know, senior citizens, y'all probably like the other year. But anyway, neither here nor there. But I know that I have to, well, whatever my mind, whatever is going into here is leaking on down into here, then my heart is not right to give you what I need to give you. But now if I'm pouring into this word or I'm listening to some good 
godly music and you call me, I'm going to be ready. My heart is prepared. My spirit is prepared. But I just like, look, I'm right there with you. I'm being transparent with you. I'm, I promise you. I love it. When I had got my, when I had got my new truck here a couple of years ago, it had all, all the satellite radio and stuff. And it had, uh, it had the 80s hair band station. I was like, boy, ain't God good. He was like, no, no, no. So, you know, you get that free subscription or whatever, you know, for ever how many months it is. And whew, I fought with the Lord in three months. I'm so glad that prescription run out. <laughs> subscription, not prescription. Y'all, come on, y'all help a brother out. I'm up here talking about drugs and Trent. Come on, man. But when the subscription ran out, I said, you know what? I'm just going to leave it alone. Now, some of y'all is like, well, you just ain't close to the Lord. You should have enough power in you to, 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 to just knock that stuff down and, and go right on around all them channels. Really? Is that, is that how you do your TV? Is that how that works? You're like, click, click, click. Oh. Door opens. Click, 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 click. <laughs> no. Leave it alone. There's no way when I'm, when I'm living in the middle of that that I'm going to be able to draw the world to me, not in the right way anyway. If I want the kingdom to come and I want everything, I want that seed to fall on good ground, he said, yet if the seed grows well, each of these, look, each of these parables shows us one thing, that there is a huge impact when the seed is cast and it takes on a good earth and it takes on good ground. Some of it, when you, and I'm not going to go back all the way through, but some of it, when you go through it and you look at it and you realize that let's go to verse 23. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 36 or even 100 times as much that's been planted. You ever had a good harvest? You're like, man, that, right, that, that, that was good. Last year wasn't real good. And that's what I'm preaching now. My last year wasn't real good. But I want to prepare more this year. It don't matter what I preached 20 years ago. What matters is, is that when I get up now, how am I following Christ? How am I, or am I really a man after God's own heart? Am I really somebody that is just trying to do everything that I can? Well, now you don't need to get all fanatic. Yeah, you need to get all fanatic. We need to get all fanatic. We need to chase after God like we have never chased after him before. I understand that there's going to be stuff. There's going to be situations. There's going to be problems. But why do you want to bring more problems on you? A lot of things, it's not even the world's problem. It's your problem, my problem that we bring. I don't want to do that, but I want to realize that every time that I say something, every time that I am on a social media platform and I say something out of the way, I just made an impact. It ain't always a good impact. I just made somebody feel good or somebody feel not so good or somebody say, hmm, man, why don't you just tell us how you really feel? So that's why Mainly, you, you, you would notice now that mainly when I'm on there, I got pictures of a little man on there. The rest of my family does not matter. 
It's about crew man. But here's the thing. If every time I just take to there to vent, so the best way to do that is just lay right beside your wife and talk about it a little bit and just start typing what you're about to say. And she'll go, what you doing? I'll tell you what, I, I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm, I'm going to tell these folks something. Who are you going to tell? Who are you telling now? I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell these people something. They, they ain't going to talk about it. It ain't, it ain't happening like that. You start typing. Go ahead on. Go ahead right there. Go ahead. I just can't believe you're going to write something like that. And one time she even threw in the thing that everybody loves to do to preachers. I thought you was a preacher. I was like, Satan, get thee behind me. No, I didn't say that. (laughs) You may have thought that. You might have wanted to say that, but you didn't say that. But she says, you know what? You need to erase that. That makes no sense. That's not going to do you any good to do that kind of silly stuff. Leave it alone. Do you realize that, and I I know it seemed like that every sermon or every Bible Bible study that we get back to that, but do you realize how important that is? You feel like that's what you got to do. And I always say, if every time that I wanted to do that, I would grab my Bible and study just as hard as I was trying to type a message to somebody about something that they were ignorant anyway, and I don't know why that I'm going to even jump off into that, make myself look dumb. Come on now. But he talks about that, that it will be, it, there, there's going to be some good ground and some bad ground, but we're going to make an impact on people. Do you realize the impact that All Seasons has made in the last 25 plus years? Built two facilities, built a gym, built cabins back here right in the middle of COVID, and everybody was talking about us. Just throw it back out there again, make y'all mad. I can't believe y'all would do something like that, but we did it. So when you look around, it, literally thousands of people have been impacted by this church, by the good ground that this church was planted on and the leadership and everything that goes with it. You, you, it's not just about Pastor Lot, not just about the, the, the band and, and the pastor's council or me, whoever. You are important. Think about it. If you just, if everybody in this building right now, under the sound of my voice, you decide today, I'm fasting for the next three days. I'm praying more than I've ever prayed before in my life. I don't care what my wife says. I don't care what anybody says. And you do that. Do you know what kind of impact that that's going to have on hell? It's not about just up here. A lot of times everybody's like, I want to be up here. For what? I, I, I like being down there. I like coming up to the altar. And let me just stop and just throw this. This will be free like my papa used to say. So many times there's a lot of people that I've talked to, they want to come to these altars on Sunday mornings or anytime, and they want to just seek after God. But the devil has done put this facade or whatever that if you go up there now, they're going to think you're not saved. They're going to think you done done something you ain't got no business doing. You do realize that the altar was made for the church. It wasn't even made for the sinner. It was made for us that's got an alt against our brother or our sister that before we do anything, we got to come here and say, God, I'm sorry. And then we go. And then we can, we don't tell them sorry now. 
before you could ever even come to God. Now that's trying to get the kingdom to right here. And I want to be able that, look, it's already going to be harder, but I got to be able to withstand those things that's coming at me. But God will bless. He's going to continue to bless us. He tells us in Matthew, Matthew talks about the kingdom of God being the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom is both now and not yet. Look at somebody say, not yet. It's, it's almost, because when it's completely his kingdom, then I don't know about you, but it'll be right where I'm ready to go. That one day Christ, he's coming back to get us. And we've been lulled to sleep for so long that we think it's not going to happen. Well, you know, my granny, she said, the, my, the granny before that said it, and, and everybody else has said it, and all the preachers have said it, and it ain't happened yet. Well, you know what? You ain't got caught cheating on your taxes yet, but you're going to. Well, no, it's not no well to it. It's where we are. He's coming. But he's trying to give us knuckleheads some time to get our lives together, get our minds together, and do what we need to do to serve him. Now and not yet. I love the parable about the weeds. It tells us that there is a future aspect of the kingdom. And this, this story that could be a two-hour Bible study, it just talks about how that, that when the, the farmer went out and he planted it, and I mean, it was, it was good stuff. It was right. It was perfect. But when they all went to bed and they all went to sleep, the enemy came in the middle of the night and planted weeds right around the good stuff. And when he did that, here come the, here come the workers later. Man, what, what happened? Check this out. What, what is, I don't understand. We, you planted nothing but the right plants. And now there's weeds everywhere. They're everywhere. What do, do we just start pulling them up? He said, no. When you get a chance, go back and read it. He said, if you pull up the weeds, you're going to do what? You're going to pull up the root. You're going to pull up the good stuff. I'll tell you what, go, uh, go there. He's, he's, there you go. No, he replied, you'll uproot the wheat. In other words, what I've planted. Once again, can I just kind of go back a little bit? When I said it's not for you to take care of the matter, no matter how much you want to take care of it, it's not a, you can't take care of it. I, I'm ready to snatch it up, God. I let me snatch it up. They're crazy. They did me wrong. No, because see, when you snatched that up, you just snatched up your dignity, your integrity, your life, your salvation, your moment. But he goes on to say, go to verse 30. Let both grow together until the what? The harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, or as we've heard it said before, to separate the wheat from the tare, tie them into bundles and burn them and put the wheat in the barn. You got to let God do it. The reason we struggle so many times because we're wanting to do it. God, I can fix my marriage. I know exactly what to do. I've been to 14 conferences and I know how to do it. Lord, I can fix my children. No, you can't. You can, you can lead and you can guide and you can redirect if you're letting God guide you. But if you're not letting Christ guide your spirit and your heart and you being something you shouldn't be, then how are you going to guide somebody else? 
you know, I hear pastors say it all the time, and I've caught myself through the years saying it about one subject. You know, it's, it's really, really hard for if I'm having trouble about something or say it is, if it is marriage or whatever it is, and there's somebody that's been married eight times trying to tell me how to be married. That's, that's tough. It, it, it don't add up. Somewhere along the line, it just does not go where it needs to go. But he said, no, leave it like it is. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to be the judge of that. Let me, and that's why he said, one day there will be a harvest and a judgment, and that'll be when he returns the kingdom of God and comes in all of his fullness. But in the meantime, if we do plant something and we happen to see somebody in our field, you need to tell them to get out of my field. There's going to be moments in your life you're going to have to tell people, I'm sorry. I'll be the first to admit to you, I don't like confrontation. I don't like conflict. I mean, I don't mind trying to solve a problem, but I don't, I'm not one of those just go that just loves to just say, no, this is what we're going to do. I'd rather everything. It's kind of like uh, Pastor Bradley was teaching in his, on his Wednesday night about conflict. You're going to have it. I know we're going to have it. You're going to have it everywhere. You're going to have it in church. It's not just only to your job. You'll have some here. Well, I just don't understand why. Well, some things are not meant for you to understand. Some may be. Some may not. But that's what happens when I was was talking earlier about how that we get hurt or or we have that seed lands on good ground but we don't understand it and we let worry or we let life or we let somebody in the church hurt our feelings and we're like you know what it's not right that's not what I'm saying hear me don't misquote me don't misread me but my point is you got to get your heart right and you got to be living right that when that does happen that you just don't bail I tell you what I knew that no that's the time for you to turn back into the church and leave them other knuckleheads alone. There'll be people in your family like, you know what? We done. I love you, but I, I just can't. I can't. I can't. There's some things you have to just, you know. Do you ever have those people just call? It's just always. And, and, and I just can't handle it no more, guys. I can't. The neg- negativity, I just cannot do it anymore. I'm trying, y'all, I promise. And it's one thing if you call me and you have a problem and you have something going on in your life, but just to call me 10 times a week and just be so negative, I tell you what, click. What? You ha- yeah, I'm going to hang up on you. I don't have time. I'm praying to stay positive, and you steadily calling just trying to bring me down. Me and you is not on the same page, and I want to get to the same page. I love, the, I love the parable. Go to, go to verse uh, 31. This is when it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. He, God used that throughout the Bible several times. But I love this parable and this analogy. And, and I wish I just had, had a, a lot of time to go through these the way I'd like to, but I'm not. But said, the man took and planted in a field a mustard seed, although it is, a, it is a, check, check this out. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants, it grows into a tree and birds come and make nests in its branches. The smallest seed. Everybody's like, oh, we go big or go home. Well, 
Not according to this. Whatever you've got, whatever you planted, whatever Christ has given you and you plant that, he's taking care of it. It grows. And th- I want you to really think about that for a moment. Now, now, the whole part that this symbolizes that we definitely don't have time for, when it talks about that birds come and make nests in its branches, this is all about in theology and all about to where during those times, that was other kingdoms. That was other countries. That was other people. Look at somebody and say, you're not the only one going to be saved, bub. It ain't just about you. It's about everybody. That's what happened because you done this and you obeyed. Then God blessed and brought everything else out the way it was supposed to be and make nest into its branches. He was reminding all of us that the kingdom of heaven was not just for one nation, but it was for the whole world. It's kind of like church planting. And we've pretty much done it here. We've, we've, got, we've had works in other places. And it may not just be a building, but we've sent different things in different situations. We've, we've, and think about churches you know of right now. Uh, Pine Lake comes to mind. Different ones that have planted churches all over. And that's putting the gospel everywhere. As much as we can see. When you tell somebody about Christ in, in, at, at, at the mall in Pearl or wherever, you're planting a seed. When you tell them how good all seasons is, you're planting a seed. When you tell them, I don't really like the preacher up there, you planting a seed. And it's not a good seed, and it's not a good impact. But my favorite one, and when you get a chance, go back to this later in your Bible reading. And I want you to go back and take Matthew 13 and read all of these parables where he is talking to his followers. And I love when he talks about the one in verse 33. He goes on to talk about the kingdom of heaven being like yeast that works all the way through the dough. Any bread makers here today? Any of you ladies or any of you, anybody? Mm. My grandmother, she used to make it. And then I think she just got to where she said, you know what? She bought a bread maker and had the timer on that thing. So when they woke up at a certain time in the morning, it'd be ready. So I asked the cook in our house this morning. You know, I don't necessarily use, you know, very much yeast in my cooking. You know, I don't throw yeast on a piece of grilled chicken outside, you know. <laughs> and so I was asking her, I said, like when you're making bread, I said, all that yeast is about mainly, right, is just the rising of the dough. And she said, yeah, but it does a lot of things. It's all, it only takes a little bit of yeast and you knead it into that dough. So just to, and she showed me some little packets. When you're making bread, you put that packet in a lot of dough, but it's all in how you do it. And it's all also in the atmosphere of the room that you do it in, the temperature of the room that you do it in. So when I, before I got ready to go, I just looked up automatic bread makers, and they were saying that, yeah, they're okay. They're not the best because it mixes a one-to-one ratio of whatever that meant, but it sounded good anyway. But the whole point that I got was that sometimes in a bread maker, it makes it rise too fast and it crumbles. And it's not all, and this is what April did say, it's not always about how long that it takes to get done, but how quick it rises. And I begin to think about that in the kingdom, how that some of us, if we're not careful, now it's only natural, we're human, right? We want to 
Can we be honest? Any, any honest people here today? On your job, anywhere you like? You'd like to rise a little bit. You, you kind of want to be in charge at some point, whether it's, in, whether it's on the spiritual side, whether you're just getting started out in ministry. That's why it does my heart good seeing a lot of these young people, different ones that are in these pulpits, that are teaching, that are, that are doing the things that they do to watch them grow. But if you're not careful sometimes that what we'll do in, 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 in the past, I'm saying, is that if we see somebody that grows like that loaf of bread really quick, rises really quick, we're like, oh, well, who do, they, who do you think they are? Well, that was the way God designed that. Some may take a little longer. But at the same time, we're not careful. We grow too fast, and then we come flying back down. So in the middle of you praying, your kingdom come, God. I want my prayer life to be right. In the middle of all of that, help me somehow. Help somebody else. Do not let me get to a place where I'm not humble, where I'm not where I need to be, and I forget exactly who I am. Bring this to a close today, and when it comes to parables and it comes to the way Christ taught things and the way he wanted us to understand what he was saying, he was trying to let us know that in the middle of all of that, in the middle of that scripture where it's talking about dough and it's talking about yeast, that the influence that we're going to have can be enormous in our home, in our family, in our life. We plant as many seeds possible to bring Jesus to our world. May the kingdom of God come to this city, to this county, to every community, to this state. You can't pray too big. But let me tell you something. Let's pray about the right stuff. Let's talk about the right stuff. And I'm guilty of, 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 of all the bad stuff, trust me. I throw shade at the restaurants. I throw shade because the french fries wasn't done and but the more you think about that, that's really not growing the kingdom, is it? You don't know what happened to the French fries. You don't know what was going on inside that restaurant. And I know we all like, oh, Lord, George convicted me. And yeah, we all been there. Throw shade at the devil. Now is a time to realize that I'm spending more time now on the gospel than I've spent on anything else in my life. God, help me to grow more. Help me to just pour it, put it in me that when I wake up, you're all that I think about. Everybody here today, there's no doubt you wouldn't be here today if you didn't want to grow in Christ and you didn't want to be greater in Christ. All of us do in whatever it is. As they begin to play some music, I was, I was telling somebody, in the middle of praying, in the middle of trying to get to the kingdom that we're getting to, to the place that we're going to get, that I'm not praying that I get big in God. I'm not praying to be the greatest teacher. I'm not praying to be the greatest musician or Sunday school teacher or leader. And like, y'all, y'all, look at me. Look, look where I've gotten. No, no, I realize sometimes some of us feel like we graduated Sunday school, you know, and we, now we all that in a bag of chips and we really not. We're all on the same boat. We're all in the same place. But my mind goes back to Joseph. And I want you to begin today. 
And I don't have time to tell this whole story. I'm just going to give you a little bits and pieces of it. And, we, and most of us have heard the story of Joseph. But Joseph, no doubt, he wanted to get closer to God. I, I believe that with all of my heart. At 17 years old. He didn't ask his dad, hey, I want that coat. But his dad gave it to him. He didn't ask for all of his brothers to be ticked off at him all the time. It wasn't just about no coat. There was always going to be something underlying there. We, we, don't, we don't see it all. There's always something going to be there that you're not going to like. But let me tell you something. When you start praying and you start seeking God and you start fasting and you start telling more people about Christ and every day you get up, you say, God, not my will, but your will. Now, whether it be in a dream whether it, look, the Bible did say that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That's your neighbor right there beside you. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Talks about what's going to go on with the young men and the old men. There's going to be visions and dreams. And when you start really living for Christ, even when, you, even when your spouse don't want to live for him, even when your kids could care less, even when those on your job, they're not on the same place you're on. I'm going to live for you, Christ. I'm going to do everything that I know to do. I have got to be the one to do it. You're going to dream something one day. Hear me. God's going to put something in your spirit one day. and going to put it in your heart. But here's what I want to tell somebody without just going through the whole thing about Joseph. He was famous for his dreams. And in those dreams, he saw his brothers bowing down to him. Now, I don't know about y'all. I have one brother, and he was, the, he, was, he was the younger one. But I can imagine if there was just three or four boys around in your family, and one of them decided, you know what, hey, I had a dream last night. And all of y'all. Y'all was bowing down. Y'all was working for me. And those brothers knew, Bugweed, uh-uh, that ain't happening. I don't know who's been telling you them kind of lies. And automatically, then all of that on the inside, that, that whatever's in your heart, that whatever's in your spirit is coming out. I'm telling you, it sounds Sunday school, but you better be careful when you start spilling out and telling all your little buddies about your dreams and about what God's going to do in your life. Because number one, there's going to be somebody say, you know what, I don't think you can do that. Mm -mm. No, God's not going to do that in your life. He can't fix your child like he fixed so-and-so's. He can't put your marriage back together completely brand new to where it's hotter than ever. I don't know. He wants to do everything that he can do. Yeah, but I know what I feel in my spirit. I know I dreamed it. I've been thinking about it every day. I'll tell you something. I want them to pull up Luke 2 and 19. And this is what Joseph was pretty much saying. When his dad looked at him, because he had told him, he said, I had another dream in which he saw all of them, in effect, bowing down. Verse 9, his father said, just leave that one there right now. This is still, this is still in Matthew in Genesis. His father wisely simply observed and pondered over what Joseph had said. And let me tell you something. If you were unsure how to respond to a dream or a vision that you think may have come from God, the wisest response is simply to ponder it in your heart. 
Luke 2 and 19 said it like this. Remember the story of Mary? But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Now you think about what Mary was carrying. Think about everything right now that God's promised you. The dreams he's given you. Young and old alike today. I don't care if you've been saved for 20 minutes or you've been saved for 40 years. We in this thing together. And all that my goal is, my goal is never going to be, and I'll be honest, there's been times early in my ministry I was just trying to be the very best preacher I could ever be. I wanted the best thought. I wanted the best saying. I wanted the best hot spots. I wanted everything I could get. But I'm at a point in my life now that does not even matter. What matters to me is, is am I doing all I can do to draw the kingdom of God down to where I'm at and to everybody around me? Because that's what's got, that's what's got to happen. So I pray today as we all stand across this house, everything that you've ever thought about, every dream you've ever had, ever just whatever, I don't care if you was at Winterfest or you was at some marriage conference or you was wherever you was at or you were just listening on the radio and you was like, man, that could be me. That could be me. I want that to be me. But as a result of Joseph unwisely telling his brothers his dreams, he had to go through years of hardships. Now, hey, I, I, I know. Tell your dreams, but be careful who you tell them to. Because if somebody don't have the same idea you got, or the relationship with the Lord you got, I'm, I'm, I'm reminded, I'm reminded of, and, and this story's probably been told from fiction to whatever, it's supposedly has happened before that Man went in for an interview, and he's standing there, and he's sitting across from the guy, the CEO of the company, $140,000 a year job, the CEO. And he looks at the young man he's about to hire, and he said, what is your greatest goal for working for this company? Like, you're here today. Why did you fill an application out? Why do you want to come to this place? And that young man looked across that desk. He said to be sitting right where you're sitting and to take your place. He had goals. When you have goals and you have dreams, you got a bullseye on your back. And all the hell is going to come after you. So today, I know we had, we had altar service earlier. If you'd like to pray, that would be great. But I'm going to pray right where you're standing at. that God would light something on the inside of all of us to not just come here on Sundays and Wednesdays and just hear a sermon about dispensations and grace and all the things it's preached about in conflict and how to draw closer to God and how to not my kingdom but your kingdom come, all of that, and not put any effort into it. But I'm challenging you today. 2023 is going to be rough for some of us. It is what it is. It's not speaking negative. It's the word of God. But I want to be strong enough to take on whatever he wants to bring me, whatever he wants to take me through. The Bible, the Bible said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's a shadow. Father, we love you today.
And I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this church. I thank you for everybody that's under the sound of my voice right now. I thank you for giving me the opportunity to be able to stand in this great place today in the middle of all of these wonderful people that love you. I pray that we all, if we're not doing it now, get up every morning. Hands raised, standing beside our bed, our recliner, wherever it is. And before we ever give the world anything, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We thank you for just waking us up. We thank you for gathering our thoughts together. We thank you today for what you're going to do in our families, not just in our church family, but in our families at home. I pray if there's families that are not saved, if there are spouses that are not saved, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would go to where they're at right now. Draw them, not just draw them to this building but draw them to wherever they're at right now to find an altar somewhere, to find a closet somewhere to be able to lift you up. We praise you. We thank you for that, God. Any stronghold right now that's binding somebody, I pray for deliverance right now. There's no weapon that can be formed against them that will prosper. I thank you today most of all for your word that we have simply pretty much just read today, God, that we can do this that we can take care of the helpless and the homeless and the oppressed and the victimless. We can do all of those things. The only way we're going to be able to do it, though, is to draw closer to you and to pray, not my will, but your will be done, God. We thank you today. I thank you for what's happened in this service. I thank you for what happened during the worship. I ask you right now to anoint Sunday school classes throughout this place. Anything from this point forward, I pray nothing but good things. I pray nothing but it to be nothing but a God thing. It's never about me. It's never about us. It's always about you. And I thank you for that right now in the name of Jesus. And why don't this whole church just say amen. God bless you guys, and like you hear our pastor say a lot of times, or all the time really, go and give the devil fits. God bless you guys.